very uh, resonant room. Yeah, yeah, sounding. I record all my pods in an echo chamber. <laughs> so, <laughs> just one of the rooms where if you get above a certain uh, volume. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get that real there. tang, that metallic. <laughs> You want you want all of your pods to sound like they're the voice of God. <laughs> That's what's happening today, yeah. I'm I, I don't know how it even... It's not an oddly shaped room or anything, but it's just the, the height of the ceiling anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, in fact, it's quite regularly shaped rooms that are the most resonant. If it was a, if it was a peculiar room with lots of like contoured services, it would probably ironically be less resonant. Yeah. Uh, it would have a diffuse just... effect. Maybe it's, I've got this, I just moved into this place and it's got okay. sliding mirrored wardrobes. You know what I'm saying? Oh, like very 90s. Just, yeah, yeah. Ultra 90s. Reminds me of being uh, seven. Yeah, 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 yeah. And what a time that was. A great time. Um, yeah, my kiss. my sister had those sliding mirrored wardrobes in her teenage bedroom, which would have been, yeah, mid mid 90s. And I remember they were always coming off the rail. Never. I've never seen one that functions well. Yeah. They're always like immovable. Yeah, it's something about less movable than a non-sliding wardrobe. Yeah, arguably. Phoebe, do you have any views on the sliding wardrobe door? No, I don't. I was just, I, I was just, I was just about to uh, correct you about uh, mentioning the voice okay. of God because uh, you can't hear the voice of God because your human, your human brain cannot mm. stand it. You can hear the voice of the Metatron. Mm-hmm. So Metatron. maybe that's, so maybe that's what we're trying to. What's the message? That sounds like something out of Warhammer. I say, not knowing anything about Warhammer. Sounds like a Transformer. Yeah. The yeah. Metatron is is one of the messenger angels. Oh. Ah, okay. What? Like Gabriel? Yeah. Well, one not, of God's but, HR but, functionaries. Yeah, he's <laughs> he's literal like, he's HR. Like the, he's like the postman, but mm. for God. We contacted so, a spokesman for God for comment. He's more, yeah, he's more of a he's more of a civil servant. More, he's he's PR. He's the PR guy. Mm. He's a source. He's a source close to God. <laughs> source he's, close to God. He's the Alistair Campbell of heaven. Yeah, exactly. He's the Alistair yeah, yeah, Campbell yeah. of heaven. If you if you like, yeah. <laughs> mm. Holding two harps, one against each ear, yelling into both. <laughs> <laughs> it's fun the idea of God having a really angry PR guy like swearing Get at people. Tucker, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I like the idea of uh, heaven being an intense political operation. <laughs> it's all politics who gets in there, man. It's all politics. <laughs> <laughs> That's the first thing that St. Peter tells you. He's like, you know what? I know you wanted to get up here, but uh, you're. Careful what you wish for, because it is all politics, my friend. Just keep your head down the first couple thousand years, and yeah, that's how you get a head up here. <laughs> God's God's PR guy just yelling down the phone. No, we're not letting fucking abortion go. Sooner or later, everyone's going to be fucking Mormons. <laughs> <laughs> wow, good, good, good Scottish voice. Thank you. Respect, uh, Malcolm Tucker. It has to be, you know. Um, yeah. Um, uh right well welcome to master of Adamain, <laughs> the podcast which is allegedly about the hit 90s sitcom seinfeld i'm milo edwards someone who's never seen seinfeld and i'm joined as ever by my co-host phoebe roy hello that is all she ever says and this week we are joined all the way from glasgow by a very special guest it's chris MacArthur boyd how you doing thank you so much for having me it's i really appreciate it a pleasure 
Love to have you freshly, freshly moved with your new sliding wardrobe doors. <laughs> yeah. How does it feel to be <laughs> on top in this life? Sick, man. I'm buzzing up here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like the eye on top of a pyramid, man. I'm just. Oh, that's nice. I like the eye. <laughs> the eye on top of the pyramid is like living a great life. That's the. <laughs> that's why it's on the dollar bill because it's like this is what we all aspire to. This is what we all want to be eventually. Yeah. Yeah. It's the eye. You don't want to be the bottom layer of bricks on a pyramid, I'll tell you that much. It's shit. It's not good. Well, there's yeah. a lot of you. Do you have mm. to work your way up? You start life as a... <laughs> you start as a brick. <laughs> you start as a brick. And then, mm. you know, you impress the big boys. <laughs> Sooner or later, my lad, you'll be an eye. Yeah. One day you will be an eye. The eye looks happy. It's never a kind of sad eye up there. It's always very kind of... Like winking. You know, yeah. A <laughs> big wink. <laughs> The original they should pyramid do that. scheme. They should, they should update it. They should make it like a kind of uh, exaggerated kind of anime eye. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> a big sweat drop appears halfway down the pyramid. <laughs> yeah. If you, if you... One of those... Uh, what, are they, what are they supposed to be when anime characters have like a kind of... Is it like veins or something? When they get angry and a kind of hashtag appears on their forehead? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I guess something like that. Or maybe like a wrinkle. Um, cool. They are strange, or maybe it's because they're hashtag angry, you know. Yeah, hashtag angry. Yeah, hashtag not all angry people. Oh yeah, I, I, do. you ever find that when you, if you, if you consume any like conventional media, which I feel like people of our generation increasingly don't, but you'd just be like watching television, and then like someone on television will say something like, yeah, like hashtag crazy, and you're just like, what is it? Is it 2012? Am I having a stroke? What's going on? Um, how how has that just been said on television? But they're out there. They're still doing right it. There. Yeah, these TV writers. I don't know how they get. I don't know how they get away with it. I don't know. Yeah, they're they're they're, they're cowering behind their sliding mirrored doors. <laughs> they're the eye on top of the pyramid, and we're the bricks holding the yeah, whole thing up. Bricks, man. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of. Uh, TV writers and getting away with it. What an episode of Seinfeld this is, man. <laughs> they really, they got away with it this week. <laughs> Watch out. Thank you so Larry much Hayes. for inviting me on when we were at the Edinburgh Fringe together. Oh. And um, my pal Grace had been on. And uh, you were like, yeah, do you want to do this? And I was so excited to be asked to do a Seinfeld podcast. I couldn't even, I couldn't even believe it, man. Well, hopefully uh, by the end of the hour, you'll be a lot less excited. Yeah, we will. That's we will we knock that out you. of you quickish. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's not what we want. We don't. We don't want affable, affability and enthusiasm in our guests. Yeah. First of all, you've come onto this podcast in the expectation that we know anything about Seinfeld. This is your first. I know podcast. loads about Seinfeld. <laughs> you know nothing about Seinfeld, and I'm sorry. I'm really sorry to have to tell you this on mic, Chris, but it's because he's a racist. Wow. Yeah. Against who? Oh, everyone. Oh, shit. Yeah. Yeah. American the comedians. They are the most in need of protection group. Mm. American comedians, man. Mm. They're very... They're having a rough time. American comedians, to me, are a bit like pandas. Like they, They've managed to mm. sort of exist and persist in the wild, despite not having any of the necessary evolutionary self-defense mechanisms like you just you just see like an american comedian who's like mega famous who's basically doing like open mic material and you're just like how is this 
how has this occurred? I don't know. How do you, you know, they're, they're like they're like quokkas or kiwis or something, you know, just like an animal yeah. that should have been driven to extinction, but they're... No predators in the wild. Yeah, <laughs> something like that, like the dodo before the Dutch arrived. I couldn't believe it when I met a quokka. You oh, met a quokka? Like, yeah, yeah, when I was in Perth in Australia, I was like, this is fucking insane. Like, they have little cartoon faces. Yeah, they are so What's cute. the evolutionary benefit of being so cute? I went to Perth, but I didn't get to meet a quokka because I didn't have time to go to the island where all the quokkas yeah, live. Yeah, it's a horrible, horrible island. Oh, is it bad? Well, it's like a, you know, it was a, what's that? I want to use the correct language here to describe it. It's like a mass grave former prison island. Oh, God. So it's right. like just the most nightmarish circumstances possible, but it's the only place where this wonderful, cute, kind of perfect Digimon of a rodent lives. But it's run and administered <laughs> by these adorable creatures. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's just... I mean, I, I assume, I assume <laughs> that's how it works, like from an, from mm. an administrative point of view. I, I assume yeah. the quokkas are, are both in charge of living there and also... Of, prison, yeah. Uh, of, yeah, of running the prison. Well, it was the greatest historical danger to the quokka was falling out of a guard tower. <laughs> this is this is too spicy. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's, no, that's, that's, that's the problem with the quokka. They are very sweet, but they are also very racist, like Milo. Yeah, mm. the colonial colonial. Um, yeah, yeah. What are they called, man? Marsupials. Are they marsupials? marsupials? Colonial marsupials feels like a like a band from two thousand and eight. Colonial marsupials. Yeah, it's like a, a chorus for fools, maybe. Yeah, <laughs> they'd have had yeah. a song called like "Laundrette Kisses" or something. Wow, Matty Bush would make a sly reference to them <laughs> in the third series when things got a bit rough. Yeah, oh, the mighty Bush. That the mighty Bush really feels like a sort of a period in British history that you can't, you can no longer make sense of. Like it feels disconnected from any. Like there was a time when everyone was watching the mighty Bush and talking about it, and then now that just feels so hard to conceive of. It doesn't it doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, how was there this collective madness? About a show with a head with like octopus tentacles. Um, it was just it was just perfect for its time, wasn't it? It was that NME, never made the buzzcocks time when everybody was in the skinniest jeans possible. See, this is this is interesting. Actually, this is not correct. The Mighty Boosh was a good five six years after the height of Never Mind the Buzzcocks. If you ask really? me, I like I, I, I yeah, fine. Okay, it coincided with the with the Simon Amstel period, admittedly. But what do you think the peak was Cox was? I'm sorry, it's Lamar. Mark Lamar is the is the peak is the peak of Buzzcocks. Mark Lamar was great, but I would argue that it was probably more had more mainstream popularity during the Amstel era. Do you yeah, not think? Ma- Maybe, maybe. I think what's interesting about the about the Mighty Boosh is that it's kind of come in for um, a fairly recent kind of re-examination. There's, it's like, there's a kind of there's a kind of almost like a kind of oh you know like there's this there's this this sort of lot this sort of lost poetry that we uh, that that it's time to kind of take another look at and see like what 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 can that tell us about the people 
about the people who read and listened to this poetry. What can we learn about this culture? And yeah, like I have met three separate people in like the last year who have either started watching it for the first time, which is weird. Mm. Yeah, that's, that's really weird. Freakish. Like people who get into Disney as an adult. Or or people who have said, you know what? I rewatched that a little bit ago and it really holds up. That that's not true either. It doesn't. It doesn't really it hold up. It can't fact, be true. Surely. No, it no, it no, I had a bit of I had a bit of um bit of a sustained mental one during the first lockdown where I decided that it sustained mental one. <laughs> that's in that big textbook. It's under the it's under the list of anxiety disorders. Yeah. The SMV. Yeah. 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 A sustained yeah. a sustained mental one where I rewatched the whole lot of it and then started insisting to people that it's st- that it that it's still not good, but it definitely still has its has its moments. Um, and uh, I sort of, I sort of stand by that. To be honest with you, most of it doesn't work very well now. I think it has diminishing returns, but I think there's, there's uh, there, there are, there are diminishing moments. returns. I think it's mm. got, I think it's, there's some good, there's some good, uh, good catchphrase, mm. um, catchphrase work there. Good voice. Well, I'm work. sure it's about to be brought to a new audience by clips of it being shown as part of a panorama documentary so you know, yeah well that be... i mean that's that, that's the that's the fear isn't it <laughs> as well um, when you get a ro- if you worked on the mighty boosh and you get a royalty check for it being licensed for something for clips you're always like oh no could it be is this finally <laughs> the day is it another remember the 2000s late night show where they you know they make phil wang watch you know whatever never mind the buzzcocks or something <laughs> Or is it going to be the harrowing documentary? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I used, I used yeah, to, I used to, I used to know some. I used to know someone who was a who was a mighty Bush mega fan, and wow, that's already all, a dangerous category. And travelled all around the country seeing the live shows, and mm. you know what? I'll cop to it. I saw the live show. I thought it was, I thought it was a, it was a jolly good time, and I also had quite a lot of merch but we probably don't need to talk about the merch too much but that's your old what, greg costume well i still wear that that's still good that's that's one of the things that's going to come back yeah to be honest you watch, like, if you walk you down kingsland high road dressed as old greg no one would even bat an eyelid well no not now oh, because kingsland from the black lagoon no because kingsland <laughs> no because kingsland kingsland high street is now all People dressed like they're dressing off a Camden Market stall in two thousand and one. It's all like, like flare jeans and tops that you look like you can't hold next to an open flame. And by and extension, that, they are therefore dressed like Noel Fielding. That yeah. Well, no. I mean, again, like not like not really. It's sort of a different. It's sort of a different look. We're a few years away from the um from the uh, from the skinny jeans like electro clash revival. Mm. I would say we're still we are very much in the in the flammable tops and that is like that's a personal mm. shame to me because yeah i one of my hobbies is holding my tops against an open flame and if i can't do that then really i don't know what i'm meant to do what watch the mighty boosh again um but mm. one of the things I can't that wait for the <laughs> french to come back personally. Oh, it's gonna come back that 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 that's back that's back soon yeah. Um, As a big four-headed legend, I cannot wait. We are we are on <laughs> we are on schedule for that to come back. Um, 
But yeah. yeah, what always used to end up happening at these um, at these live shows, apparently, is that there would be these like fan club after parties, and um, people oh would be particularly the uh, shall we say the young female fans um, would be strongly encouraged to attend said after parties, and then they'd get there thinking that they were going to meet um, Barrett and Fielding, and it was only Rich Vulture. And also uh, Michael Rich Fielding, Vulture. yeah. There's a guy who plays the zookeeper. Wait, and and, and Michael Fielding, who's this? Who is Noel Fielding's brother, who plays so, Naboo? Okay, right. Who plays Not the little dad. wizard? No, oh, that would be that would be quite that would be quite cute. That's sort of a Nepo dad. No, it's that. Yeah, yeah, he's the. <laughs> <laughs> We're going backwards. I'm gonna get my great grandfather a job in stand up. You know the you know the wiz you know the wizard who 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 says I don't like this yeah, little girl. I'm giving him the squeeze. That's uh that's Noel Fielding's um that's Noel I'm Fielding's brother. My back on you. Yeah. Yeah. It's Noel Fielding's brother. Um so in the in the interest of time, um yeah, the, I'm sorry. <laughs> the episode of the episode of Seinfeld that we've actually watched, rather than the Mighty Boosh, which we're half remembering, um, is the comeback. It is season eight, episode thirteen. And uh what a what an episode. Oh, this is so, this! I was so excited to to do the comeback. It is such a classic. It's sort of one of those ones which is sort of quite difficult to talk about because it is a technically perfect piece of television. So all you can do is just describe it and go like, "That's good, isn't it?" So you can't you can't really make any uh, make any sardonic remarks about it because it's perfect. Yeah, I couldn't believe it when I said, "Oh, what episode?" And you said the comeback, and I was like, "Are you kidding on, man? This is." This is quintessential failed. Yeah. Yeah. We're basically too too lazy to save episodes for anyone. So it's <laughs> it's pure luck of the draw, like when you get yeah, booked, yeah. what episode we're on, and you've really you've nailed it. I'm a lucky man. You know, I've got sliding mirrors on my wardrobe and I've got the comeback in my uh freebie fire stick browser. <laughs> You know, cracking. Is that what you call it these days? Yeah. My free V free, free fire stick. Razor, man. It's sick. She's <laughs> got it for the TV in here. And, nice. You know, I think it's for people who don't have a PlayStation or an Xbox, and I have them. So I don't know why I have a fire stick, really, but oh, I'm okay. loving it. I like the idea of a product aimed explicitly at people who don't have a PlayStation or an Xbox, which strikes me as could be quite a broad range of things. It's very blue sky marking. I think it's called. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What, what, what is a fire stick? Forgive me. <laughs> my dad insisted I take his. It's like um... <laughs> my father gave me this fire stick, and I'm now passing it on to you. Yeah, I'm a Nepo baby. Nepo um, viewer. Nepo fire stick viewer. Free V. Um, it's like a, it's kind of like just a way of watching browsing apps without, do you know, like it's like watching, you can get like Amazon or Netflix or Freebie, oh, right. which is shite, mm. um, and like Amazon Prime, but you you can just watch them on TV, but you don't need to have like, like smart said, TV, Xbox, yeah. Ah. Oh, what's that, a smart TV? Is that just one that has them all inside it? Yeah, yeah, they're, they're the little Amazon gremlins live inside it, yeah. That's a, which <laughs> it's pretty much any TV you buy now, to be honest. Yeah, How long I, has it been since you've bought a TV? It's an old TV, man. I have right. a, it's like a big TV, but it's from like eight years ago. Oh, okay. I cannot bring myself to buy a smaller TV that is more modern. 
Okay, yeah. Yeah, I've got, I've, got, I've got a Gremlin TV. Actually, you know what I've got? I haven't got a Gremlin TV. The thing that gives me... This is so fascinating, isn't it, for the listener? Um, who wants to hear about my, uh, about my particular electronic setup? Um, I've got the, the thing that gives us the internet plugs into the TV, and that's got Gremlins in it that puts oh, okay. Amazon and Netflix on the TV. Oh. Well, you got to plug it into your router. No, 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 it's a kind of, it's like a, it's a, it's like a kind of external, it's like an external skybox, but it just, right. it's part of our internet deal. Oh, okay. Oh, so it's a separate, it's a separate box from the, from the internet box itself. Well, you know what, that, that feels like, that feels like information which I don't feel comfortable giving. <laughs> I think, I think that's really intrusive, actually. Fair enough. I think that's really brave for you to put your boundaries up like that. Thank you. Yeah, mm. thank you. Thank, that, thanks, Chris. Like, yeah. that's, you know, we've talked about this before, Milo. That's uh, yeah. it's really, really but crossing the line. A message to the listeners. You don't get to know about all Phoebe's boxes <laughs> and what is in them. Okay. Fuck's sake. Yeah, it's not. Anyway, the episode opens with George in a meeting at the New York Yankees uh, where he's eating some shrimp, which have been provided for the meeting. And uh, his colleague, Riley... That's surname, Riley, before anyone gets excited. Um, he uh, says, hey, shrimp. Hey, well, hey George, the ocean call. <laughs> he, do, he doesn't uh, say, shrimp. hey, shrimp, because he's not had a stroke. <laughs> hey, George. Hey, shrimp. George Cook. <laughs> <laughs> They're running out of George. They're uh, running out of the ocean. <laughs> that's right. So anyway, he says, hey, ocean, the shrimp called. They're running out of George. Um, hey, hey, George, the ocean called. They're running out of shrimp. Um, and everyone laughs. And George is infuriated. He's driving home and he comes up with what he thinks is a comeback, which is, hey, Riley, the jerk store called. They're all out of you. Yeah. Um, because they've yeah. sold him. They've sold their one unit. They've sold their one unit. <laughs> this is the this thing. Is the, jerk, the, jer- the, jerk st- the jerk store is like, it's kind of like, a, like one of those like kind of luxury furniture emporiums. Like they don't make that many sales, but like one, like one, like whatnot, will will mm. keep them in business for a year. A boutique mid-century furniture shop. Yeah, that kind of that kind of shit. Yeah, that kind of gear. I'm I'm fascinated by the because I feel like the jerk store is something that comes up in quite a lot of American media with this kind of like calling someone a jerk and then implying that there is a kind of jerk store. This is the pro- this jerk. is the no no this is the progenitor. Is it? This is the genesis. This is absolutely. This is absolutely ground zero. This is the for... Gabriel and Collins. <laughs> this is ground zero. This is the World Trade yeah. Center. Yeah, this is the oh, World Trade the Center. Nine eleven. I I am aware that? that I don't mean ground zero, but I can't remember what I do mean. So let's just so let's just a second shrimp has uh, has hit the Costanza. <laughs> Well, because, well, of course, in 1993, Al-Qaeda did actually blow up the jerk store, but very few people remember Yeah, a lot that. of people don't remember that, yeah, even though yeah. it was featured in the uh, animated Spider-Man series, which Blade helps to stop it happening. Yeah, it? there you go. Yeah. Well, if, well, what, um... what, what was he up to a few years later? Blade? He's <laughs> <laughs> raving, mostly. Yeah. Um, yeah, Blade was like, well, the thing is about the hijackers, they're not technically vampires. <laughs> So I'm not obliged to intervene. Yeah, that was going to be the end of the first Spider-Man film. It was going to be um, Spider-Man puts a big web between the World Trade Centers and the Green Goblin flies into the web. No, no, fuck yeah. off. 
It was, yeah. That and cannot be true. To... <laughs> well, no, it came out to, it came out in like two thousand one that film, and that was the. If you watch the film, the like the end doesn't feel very good. It's like someone throws a can at the Green Goblin and it knocks him off his glider or whatever. Yeah, the end doesn't feel very good because it's not a very good film. Like, that's yeah. not... No, that's, that's, a good, that's a good film. The Green, and, uh, the green <laughs> Goblin couldn't survive in Glasgow because just someone would have thrown a can at him that much sooner. Yeah, you get a can of iron brew, extra yeah. bounced off your dome, and uh, that's why there's no glider technology in Glasgow, despite huge yeah. demand. Huge um, demand. That was going to be the end. Was the the big web between the and that was in the that was in the adverts for it was the in New York was the web between the twin towers and they had to change it very very quickly. Oh, you know what? I completely misunderstood what you meant. I thought <laughs> that you was this, was saying that the original ending is that the Green Goblin was one of the hijackers and Spider Man stops it. <laughs> No. That's what I thought that's what I thought you meant. That's why I was so disbelieving. Only mm. in my dreams is that true. Mm. I would love for that to be the case. That is rough. Well, yeah, I, th- just... I, th- I think Spider-Man has a lot of questions to answer about where he was on that day. Yeah. Yeah. Should have you seen the comic book that's like all the heroes and villains of the Marvel universe teaming up to um to rescue people from the rubble of 9/11? No, no, no that, I haven't. This, this is powerfully cursed media. Yeah, that that, that it, sounds it really that is sounds because that sounds it, bad. If nine eleven happens in the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe, you really have to question what the fuck were they all doing? Now the only hundred percent. Yeah. yeah, the only way you can maintain the integrity <laughs> of the various Marvel superheroes is that nine eleven simply did not occur, unless they're kind of like they're like deists. Like, we can't interfere in the affairs of man. Like, we only in- interfere in the affairs of, like, other kind of semi-divine beings like us. Yeah. Like, you know, if, if Al-Qaeda are going to blow up the World Trade Center, that's really, it's none of our affair. That's the plot of the film Eternals, I think, is that they're like, hey, we've been in the background not taking part. Anyway, I don't want to get into the lore of Eternals. But, <laughs> okay, it's uh, probably as well. In book, like, Doctor Doom and Doctor Octopus are in the rubble of 9-11, and they're just like, I can't believe. Like, Obviously, we do villainous stuff, but these lads have taken it way <laughs> too far. Like, <laughs> Doctor Octopus is like, look, this is a bit rich for me, personally. <laughs> All I wanted was Far just have some robotic arms. Far be it from me to throw stones here. But, um, okay, there you took that too far. They're kind of like the guys in prison who were like, look, I'm not exactly, you know, on the straight and narrow, but I'm not a fucking nonce. You know what I mean? Look, I've knocked yeah, off yeah, a few post exactly offices. But I've caved a, cu- a few cunts' heads in with hammers, right? But I've never beasted a Wayne, you know? And, yeah. And that's, <laughs> and that's, the, uh, that's the level these people and that's are. The, that's the line. That's the kind of the moral line. My, my, my favourite um, explanation for why something wasn't done in, uh, in this kind mm. of media, in the, in the broader nerd media, if I, if I may, um, is... Um, so the plot of the film of Wonder Woman is about her stopping the Second World War, uh, the First World War, right? Yeah. So at the end, you're thinking, oh, they're going to have to come up with a pretty good excuse for why she doesn't do anything about what comes next. 
because yeah, yeah. she she does she does not she uh she does not lift a finger. And uh, what they come up with was well, she goes to the island um, because her boyfriend dies and she's sad. Mm-hmm. And then and then obviously you know um, Second World War happens and and she just she sort of doesn't want to because she's sad. Because her boyfriend died. That's literally what they go with. They, that's literally the explanation that they go with. It's fantastic. Because like, cause this is quite a long film. And as soon as it became obvious that she was going to single-handedly stop the First World War, I was like, I'm really interested in how they're going to explain why she doesn't just, you know, just go and absolutely smoke Hitler. Mm. Um, and uh, yeah, no, that's the explanation. She, she doesn't want to. The fact she is she was she actually doesn't like... doesn't feel like it. Like a lot of establishment people at the time, she was cosier with Hitler than um, than you know they subsequently would have liked you to believe. Well, she was prioritising self care. Yeah, I feel like Operation Paperclip would have snuck a lot of people to the Amazonian island where yeah. Wonder Woman and her uh, her sisterhood are based. Well, you had mm. the Nazi superheroes as well. Mm. Yeah, like uh, the, yeah, I cried at the Wonder Woman film in the cinema. Did you? Uh, because it reminded me that World War One happened. <laughs> how da- how stoned were you at the time? I feel like it reminded me that World War One happened. I just saw all those boys marching off, and I thought, "No, they're so young. Well, I don't deserve this." If you, if you ask Incredible. me, Operation Operation Paperclip should have snagged a fair few. The Nuremberg trials have snagged a fair few Avengers, stroke superheroes, I reckon. Yeah, like just yeah. from just from a sort of a, from a collaboration point of view. Although the although the the Holocaust is a historical event in the MCU, right? Because Magneto is a Holocaust survivor, no? Yes, he was in one of the camps, yeah. and his powers were activated by the stress of it, and yeah. his magnetism. Bent the barbed wire on top of the fences, I believe. It's a little bit fucked up that he's supposed to be the villain, isn't it? It's a little bit. I mean, it's, it's crazy. It's a little it's bit. It's a little crazy. bit. A little bit suspect. Um, yeah, it's absolutely terrifying. <laughs> they went, you know. But then it's, you know, I guess it's a kind of all superhero media comes from a kind of fascist point of view, which is that might is right and whoever's the strongest is the right one to uh, take control of the situation, which isn't true. Hmm. Mm. Anyway, yeah. Anyway, so, like George. <laughs> yeah. Mean, meanwhile. Yeah, what you I don't know what, if you've no, what noticed. Said... I'm actually wearing my Seinfeld uh, teeth. Oh, my Seinfeld yeah, is that, brand the, is that the Percival bowling shirt? This, this is the Percival bowling yeah. shirt. Yeah. It's the Puddy's jacket, which you wouldn't have seen yet, my Yeah, old. you won't have seen Puddy's jacket. in the next series. Oh, uh, uh, okay. Uh, and not only that, I'm also wearing my uh, Seinfeld t shirt. Oh, this uh, is good. Uh, it's good for a, an audio-only yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, you'll have to take our word for it, listener. Chris <laughs> is wearing a Seinfeld t-shirt. I'm wearing what? nine different Seinfeld branded items of clothing. That's amazing. When they, that is uh, when actually they, quite impressive. When they brought out the, the Percival uh, sort of micro line, mm-hmm. so many people sent me the link to it, all under the impression that I, that I somehow hadn't seen it. Um, or being like, oh. so if you didn't have a Google Alert set up, well, exactly. And I also get the Percival Percival emails because uh, mm-hmm. um, quite often uh, get my boyfriend uh, birthday presents from Percival because he likes a bit of Percival. It's good gear. It's good I'll gear. It's good gear. Mm. You know You're that a real John Percy you know, head. 
You know that jump. You know that jumper I got you for your birthday, Mark. I'm a Percy Pig, man. You know. Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a that's a Percival. Oh, it's a Percival jobby. It's nice. Yeah, thick. Good, good thread mm. count. It's good. It's good. Good, good, good and cozy. Um, yeah. What you were saying? Soft, durable wool. Exactly. Mm. What you were saying yeah. before, Marla, is that um, there's this idea of there being the jerk store. That's the whole joke of the episode. That there is no such thing as a joke as a jerk store, and therefore the comeback doesn't work. No, sorry, I do. I do realise that there is no actual thing, such thing as a jerk store. No, I'm, not, I'm like, not quite that, that um, <laughs> no, brain damaged. No, 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 I know. But like when people reference the jerk store, it's not because they're behaving as if there is a real, there is a real uh, business um, which specialises in the purveying of jerks. That's that's because it, they're referencing the Seinfeld. There must mm. now be one, though. There must be some kind of um, mm. beef jerky, jerked meat, you know, or Jamaican food. Oh, Jamaican yeah. yeah. There must be some place in the greater New York metro- metropolitan. Jamaican place. scran is a very funny concept. <laughs> a, a, a guy who's from, like, the northern half of the British Isles enough to refer to it as Scran, but it's also Jamaican enough to have opened a... Yeah, that is quite a... Wagwan, mate. Wagwan. Mate. Do you want a beef patty? You need this jerk chicken, mate. You need it. <laughs> Excuse me, mate. Do you want some Seinfeld-themed jerk chicken, mate? Like, yes, please. Have the um, Kramer. I'll have the Newman, mate. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's phenomenal. Right. Phenomenal episode. Yes, so. Yes, 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 terrific. Elaine's plot is that she's started taking recommendations from this guy at the video store who she's never met because they just like list, they put them in a section in the video store for you to pick from their recommendations. Um. And uh, she sort of kind of develops this like romantic interest in him because they share the same taste in movies. But then uh, one day Kramer tells her to pick something lighter. So she picks one of the picks from this guy, Gene, and then uh, which is Weekend at Bernie's 2. And the first the first guy gets offended and he, and he stops picking and he sends her um, the play button from his VCR. <laughs> like, a, like, like, like Van Gogh sending his ear. It's yeah. beautiful. It is. It, it, it is indeed. It is indeed beautiful. Um, you ever bought something based on like a like based, an in-store based, recommendation? based on an in-store recommendation? It's so funny. I was mm-hmm. literally about to say something to this exact effect. Um, I well, I used to work in. Um, I used to work in a now defunct vi- uh, video game chain. Um, one electronic boutique. Sorry. Electronic boutique. Nope. That was a great starting guess, though. It was a really, really, uh, really good starting guess. Yeah, really, really, really a long in Australia. Time, a long, a long time dead. A real kind of R.I.P. to to a real one. Mm. This shop. Um, and uh, we Are used you to have at to, do... to name it. Or... <laughs> Are you afraid of legal action? This is uh, this is part this is part of my this is part of my boundaries that I'm drawing with the listener from the defunct um, retailer. If you if you were trying to go back in time to stalk Phoebe, a branch of Virgin Megastores. <laughs> Actually, I think I've probably mentioned it on the on the show before because remember I told you the story about the about the guy who used to draw the weird pictures of me. Oh yeah 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 
Yeah. Uh, so that so that was at, uh, so that was at various branches of a uh, game station in the early aughts. Game station. Yeah. Fuck. There we go. Yeah. Round so of we, applause for game station. So we had like, to do. Has game station come back? No. No. <laughs> no. Not that's, in no, a that's long never time. coming back. Uh, okay. Nah. That's never coming back. Uh, but yeah, uh, we used to have to do we used to have to do picks, and um, I um, took my um, took my recommendation job very seriously uh, because um, they really liked they really liked having me working there because in the with the greatest love and respect to my former colleagues, they were what you might imagine would be working at a computer game shop in the early or that's exactly mm. what you're picturing that was wallet chains that was that was the that was the vibe of um no mm. no 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 wallet chains that's going to frighten their mother no um <laughs> like just a just a very very kind of in the nicest possible way not comic con people but people who go to a kind of knockoff comic con because comic they can yeah, mm, lots of yeah, lots of lots of lots yeah, well, of. They so, should have at the Virgin so, Mega Store. Am I right? <laughs> well, that's where you got your virgins. Yeah, yeah. The Virgin Mega Store called, yeah, and they're running out, and they're running out of you. Yeah, she needed See, to do some kind of. Uh, that's at least that at least at least work. That at least works. Um, and that's actually better than the Jeff <laughs> store. It's actually, it's actually better. Um. And the Virgin Mega still called and the Virgin Megan running out of you. Yeah. Wait, that doesn't make sense either. <laughs> the Mega running out of you. Yes. This is harder than it looks. This is a good it's, Yeah, it's not it's not easy. It's not easy. Um and uh they were not my colleagues were not that great at dealing with the public mm. um in quite a lot of different ways. And the thing that they hated the absolute most was dealing with probably a good 50% of our customers who were mothers who wanted to buy something for their sons. Mm. And they just couldn't. They would just have these just like bizarre maladaptive events while, while trying to mm. trying to assist, assist the mummies. Or they mm. would like go way too far the other direction and be insanely rude to them. So... Ooh. Why do you think this was? Do you think they were like milf addicts? Or? I think it was. Well, I think it was because they objected to the extremely, extremely kind of simple-minded queries that they were being given. Oh, okay. so like a mum would come in what's and a, say, "What's his elder?" Yeah, I know. I know he likes. I know he likes the one. It's got a boy in it. <laughs> he, he looks. He looks very cross. He's got a sword on his back. Yellow his, air. His dad's a vampire. <laughs> Who's that? What am I thinking of? So they were very low on patience. He's a nepo vampire. And the, and they would you know sort of go oh god you're talking about this don't get him that it's shit like you know that like that like that kind of thing. Get legacy of Kane Soul Reaver. Ugh. Yeah, exactly mm. that sort of thing. So they would come in the shop, look around in kind of panic sort of way, see me, and make an mm. absolute beeline for me. Um. And one of the things that we were obliged to do is write little little pick recommendation thingies. And mm. everyone else would write these like densely worded paragraphs like Joycey and you can't read this fucking <laughs> thing. You're trying to read it being like, 
I don't, I don't know. And I, so I took my, so I took my role really, really seriously and just did like one or two words, um, like a very, very short description. And then just like, this is good because I thought that people, if they, if they knew what game they wanted, then they don't need recommendations. If they're like a big, yeah. if they're a big game head, they didn't know, they didn't need the recommendations. They knew what they were after. Mm. If they yeah. were looking for somebody else or they were kind of, you know, a bit of a dilettante, then all they want to know is, is this any good? Is this any fun? Yeah. Um, Spider-Man so stops so 9-11 in this game. <laughs> so that's what, so that's what, so that's what I would do. Um, right. Yeah. And it would be I love re- it when you go. So. And it would look really funny as well because there'd be the shelves with the with this sort of dense kind of like sort of opuses and it, like on a card mm. and then like mine just like massive block letters going this is really fun. Do you think they were like frustrated games journalists? Oh, they were frustrated Ooh. everything. God love them. <laughs> they were just frustrated. They're just yeah. they were just frustrated. <laughs> Oh, bless them! Bless their hearts. Working at the video game store is is quite far down down the down the the big eye pyramid of life, isn't it? You're definitely <laughs> you in brick territory. Brick, yeah, you're a brick. It's the oh. it's the by an order of magnitude the best retail job I've ever had. It's a dream know. for me personally. I would yeah, love it was. To, it was. Re- it was really nice. It was a really, really nice yeah, it's place. Probably to quite work. relaxed in there. There's not a lot of like physical labor that needs doing. Yeah, it was relaxed. There, there was like a kind of group of people who would like, who would like come in at the weekends and like play the new games and sort of come in and chat to us. Like, like I said, admittedly, there was the the your one who drew the weird drawings of me, and there was also the time when a a guy came in and tried to um, and tried to attack us all with a big knife. But, oh right! But that was what was his. What was his problem? Fun? Yeah. Yeah, you thought that was fun, did you? Mm. <laughs> what did you recommend to my mother? <laughs> I actually found Wonder Woman Holocaust to be a very offensive video game, <laughs> and I've come in to threaten you all with a big knife about it. Yeah, wow, man. I've, I've always kind of dreamed of, uh, I feel like the BO would be bad, but I've always kind of dreamed of working in a video game shop or a bookshop or something like that. Oh, oh, yeah, I'll be I'll be honest. The um, extremely non-natural fabric of our uniforms was not the friend of my mm-hmm. of mm. my colleagues. Yeah, I can uh, imagine at, that. At the, at the store. Yeah, we had a store cat. Oh. Wow. And a game station? Yeah. Concerned about mice eating the uh, Nintendo sixty (laughs) four cartridges. Yeah, well, it's like yeah, it's like having a ship's cat. Like, I mean, I think, I think, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't supposed to, supposed to be in a game station surgeon as well, like a man in in a sort of a big butcher's apron with like bloodied cuffs. Yeah, but he doubled up as a barber, so I saved a ton of money on on haircuts. We've lost another one, I'm afraid. (laughs) Too far gone. The bosun. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, oh, the, our manager lived in the flat upstairs, and this was his cat. Mm. And okay. so the cat thought that, as cats tend to, that he owned the place, and he would just come down and just hang out. I like the idea that managing a game station comes with a kind of grace and favour apartment, like like <laughs> yeah. like it's like being an ambassador or something. Like you live above the game station. It's like being a rectory, isn't it? If you're a priest, you get your little house next to the yeah, next to the church. That's exactly yeah, what it was like. It was his rectory. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
You got the game. Uh-huh. You always see those little recommendation things on the shelves and Waterstones, don't you? Yeah. And it's like, oh, Terry thinks this Jordan Peterson book has really turned his life around, and you're like, fuck, man. Mm. <laughs> I don't want to speak to Terry about anything. Terry's like, this book was just the right amount of racist for me. <laughs> I don't want to go too far. Yeah. I don't want to go too far. Very funny to turn to Jordan Peterson for life advice. A man whose life is in utter disarray. It's an antidote to chaos, though, you know. It's it's good. Mm. I've never read it, but it does seem like... He started dressing like a Batman villain, which is quite... Yeah, yes. yeah, he has. Chaotic yes. behaviour. He has. And uh, the best bit is that, uh, you know, the, the, the Joker suit that he's got? Yeah. Um, I had more or less that exact same, certainly the colorways suit when I was a baby. Um, and, and I got yeah, the some, suit when you were a baby. Well, little, it was like a little, like a little kind of velvet jester suit. Um, and, uh, yeah. And, uh, I got some really, really good cheap faves off Twitter from posting a picture of me in my little, <laughs> in my little jester jumpsuit next to, next to a picture of Jordan. Can't turn down a cheap fave. Oh, I love a cheap fave because they're exactly yeah. the same. Yeah, they're yeah. exactly the same as the like the high effort faves, except they're low effort. Mm. It's fantastic. Yeah, it is funny if you talk to anyone like normal about Jordan Peterson, like who hasn't experienced him via the prism of knowing he's an insane person from the internet. Because anyone like normal who's heard of him just thinks of him as someone who's written a couple of quite quite boring but essentially fine self help books. And so that they have a completely different picture of Jordan Peterson from like the actual man who's like you know yelling at the Little Mermaid for trying to destroy you know the Western hegemony or whatever. Hundred percent. I got invited on BBC Scotland's Drive Time radio show, and the host was asking me a question about buses or something. Um, and then halfway through, just started. Yeah, buses or something. No, not buses. <laughs> like a bus. <laughs> All right, right. <laughs> no, like it wasn't asking about boy pussy. Um, <laughs> I wish, I wish the former rugby player John B. A. was asking me on BBC Radio Scotland <laughs> to talk about boy. I've got a lineup of them for you. They're like which, <laughs> which one of these tight holes do you find the most appealing? <laughs> Christopher, that's a coming on. <laughs> if there's one thing I learned in the rugby changing rooms, it's <laughs> it's the boy pussy. <laughs> it's a varying quality. Um, <laughs> I just started quoting Jordan Pearson halfway through it, and I was like, Jordan Pearson's like a fucking maniac, man. He says women are agents of chaos, and he was really surprised because he'd never heard anybody have something bad to say about him. Yeah, that's, he was yeah, like, that, oh, that, that, that's good. I came, I came for the room tidying. I didn't realise there was also a women are agents of chaos element. Yeah. <laughs> Well, the best bit is for that is that if you um, tell a normal person, for example, about the uh, picture of his daughter dressed as a sexy lobster while he is in a kind of state of extreme benzo withdrawal, then they mm. look at you like you're the peculiar one mm. for knowing about this picture and possibly that you have invented said picture. But I haven't. It's real. It's a picture mm. that exists. So, Ken, okay, why do you have access to that? Yeah, you know that kind of content. Well, it's on the game station mainframe. <laughs> well, that was our, that was our uniform, obviously. Mm. The that sexy the lobster genitor. costume. 
That was the progenitor. It's just a shame because a lot of these kind of brick and mortar stores don't exist anymore. Like you can't have a wee black booksian bookshop or a a, a Phoebe Ian um, game station life anymore because it's right. all on Amazon and it's all downloadable games and stuff. It's, yeah. it's yeah. a real shame. Yeah, it's just I Jeff agree. Bezos living in the flat above the Amazon warehouse. He probably fucking he probably had the knife and came in to attack you, some kind of psyop against brick and mortar stores. You know? mm, make people feel unsafe. He's like too many awkward teenage boys are getting to meet MILFs. <laughs> and it's it's hurting the this Amazon bottom line. <laughs> I'm gonna get in there. I'm gonna disrupt. This is, this is hurting the balance of nature. Yeah. So how I, did the knife wielding guy get resolved, Phoebe? Um well um <laughs> Um I'm just trying to remember the sequence of events because it was actually it really was quite scary because he like yeah, because he like tried to kind of leap over the leap over the till. And one of my one of my colleagues like stood between him and me. And this I'll tell you this for nothing. This bloke had shown absolutely no sign whatsoever of even like potential heroism up until this point. Um, but like, yeah, he properly just like flung himself. Um, and then there were, and then we sort of, so we all kind of just put the, put the sort of the till desk because we actually had a surprisingly like easily securable till desk because that's what, because we kept the, um, we kept like the Xboxes and stuff behind the counter. Mm. Um, and so we kind of sort of stood, sort of stood behind there and he sort of, carried on sort of like trying to leap over and sort of trying to kind of wave it around. Um, and um, then he started yelling some things. And because this was on a busy high street, uh, the cop showed up. Right. And, yeah. he, and, he, and he scuffed it. Yeah, wow. yeah it's, it's got a bit of a damp squib as, a, as an ending of a story. Nobody, no, nobody got stabbed, but it was quite an unpleasant, quite an unpleasant thing. Um, quite an unpleasant thing to happen, and um, and afterwards we were a bit like, can can we have the rest of the day off? And uh, <laughs> and our, our manager said said you're all alright, aren't you? And uh, yeah, so that's that's uh, that is that is working <laughs> in that is working in retail. Wow, that was a different. It was a different time. It was a different time, yeah. You know, mental health didn't exist yet, so yeah, yeah. This, this is was, no such thing as trauma. If one this of you was had very been pre-mental health, yeah, then you would have got the rest of the day off. Yeah, <laughs> but but the rest of you, <laughs> no one has mal- been stabbed. So you fucking malingerers, you work shy. To work. Do you see the cat taking the rest of the afternoon off? I don't think so. Well, the cat no didn't care. No. The, cat, the cat was chilling. Uh, so yeah. So that's so that's so that's so that is that is Elaine's story. Yeah. Yeah, we've sort of neglected. I'll try and I'll try and cram through this as quickly as possible. Um, uh, yeah, the conclusion to Elaine's story is that she eventually she goes round to the to the picker's apartment to attempt to re- rekindle their relationship. She's met by his mother and she discovers that he's a fifteen year old boy. Elaine has been the victim of reverse paedophilia. She's been catfished by a child pretending to be an adult for the purposes of movie recommendations. Um, and I think, yes. and I think he's Danny Strong. Who, he's Danny Strong. He's a uh, he's Mr. Actor. Strong's nepo baby. 
uh, and ironically enough, he is a he's a very weak he's a very weak man. Um, I actually mm. don't know if he's a very weak man or not. Um, Do you reckon that that's potentially actionable? Apologies to Danny calling Strong. someone weak man. <laughs> <laughs> apologies. To, well, it depends. If yeah. uh, Jordan Peterson says it, then yeah, definitely. He's a very weak man. He's a weak man. He doesn't clean his room. He doesn't have a coma. That's, and then that's a woman a, came into the game station and she couldn't even remember the name of Zelda. Because what do they teach in she schools Zelda now? Zelda was the boy. That's, Zelda's not the boy. That's straying into the woman at the end of Titanic. For me, they have the same voice. It's to be been eighty-four fair. years, <laughs> really similar it's been voice. Eighty-four years. It's a really similar. I had really sex with voice. that man in a car. <laughs> yeah, she does nearly get kind of in reverse groomed by this uh, mm. a tasteful child. Yeah, yeah. She does have good taste, you know. Right. That, that, yeah, that that's, is... the, that's the kind of dream of being a fifteen-year-old with good taste in films mm. is that you could trick an adult woman into buying you vodka and fireworks <laughs> yeah. and potentially have sex with you. Especially if it's Julia Louis-Dreyfus, you know. Yeah. Imagine. It would be a great defence in, like, nonce court to be like, well, he had a very adult taste in movies. <laughs> Look, how, why would you think someone was 15 if they're recommending Fellini? Come on, what a 15-year-old yeah. boy. <laughs> be honest with yourself, members of the jury. <laughs> He wanted to watch Godard on Blu-ray. I mean, how, <laughs> how can I tell? Because he didn't have pubes yet. Come on. You know? I, I believe that's called the uh, old soul nonce defence, and it doesn't <laughs> mm. work. It doesn't. It, it doesn't fly. <laughs> <laughs> the old soul defence. The law is an ass. The law is an ass. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's that's Elaine's <laughs> plotline. Meanwhile, uh, Kramer's plotline is that he watches half of a documentary about a woman who was in a coma and it's becomes a film. It's not a documentary. Oh, film. Sorry. And he becomes terrified of being in a coma, so he's trying to arrange with Jerry to turn off his life support if he's ever in a coma. And then he start. And then he becomes worried that like Jerry doesn't have doesn't have it in him. Uh, and so he asks Elaine. So him and Elaine go for a meeting with a lawyer who I believe is the economics teacher from Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Well, Bueller. well, Bueller. more, well, more, uh, more saliently, he is the uh, he 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 is that he is the guy who plays the who plays the teacher in Ferris Bueller, but he's also um uh, uh he's more well known as being a, a an extremely insane conservative political commentator. Um, oh, yeah, Ben Stein oh. is an absolute wacko. He was one of the he was one of the big uh, teach creationism in schools. Um, people, right? Okay, Fuck. which is which is such a fun type of wacko to be. Yeah, I think the anti dinosaur brigade. Yeah, so, the anti dinosaur brigade. I think they're just the they're the funnest kind of wackos. Okay. I think. So is he is he not Jewish? Of course he is. Oh, is it, right, okay, but I was just that that's just tends to be more of an evangelical Christian energy than a what? than a Jewish energy. Well, I don't know what Even to tell you. So, He's a- yeah. <laughs> You don't get a lot of Jewish creationists, do you? I mean, they, I don't know oh a lot goodness. about the Talmud, but well, I guess if yeah. you're if you're like an Orthodox Jew, you, you believe in creationism in this in a fairly literal sense. But I don't often hear that that like a I don't know there doesn't seem to be like a loud 
movement no, no, about no, no, no. it like, in the on, same like, way on, there like, is with evangelical Christianity. Like, on, like, honestly, like, even, like, quite orthodox people tend to say, like, oh, well, this is clearly, like, an analogy. They clearly don't mean seven days. And But I've, like, I've definitely known people who've said, like, yeah, 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 there was definitely a big bang, but God did it, which I think is quite a yeah. fun way around it. Um, yeah, like God farted. <laughs> that's really beneath you, I think, as a, <laughs> as a joke. <laughs> Sometimes it's just one of those days, you know. <laughs> what where, where where you don't want to wake up because uh because everything is fucked everything and everybody sucks. sucks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You don't want to go and work at Game Station. You don't want to wanna justify. <laughs> you do want to justify ripping someone's head off. One of those one of those tweets where it's like what are, what are you talking about? Jordan Jordan Peterson Ben Stein, I don't know who any of these people are. That guy with the knife hit your head pretty hard, though. It's like, it's 2002. <laughs> You're in a branch of GameStation. <laughs> Everything is oh. fine. You're wearing no, no, very you're, wide jeans. You're right. The uh, um, the uh, dinosaur fighting, the dinosaur fighting Christ crowd are definitely like, they're evangelicals. Not fighting Christ. That what's the it, it that there was that pic there was that there was that picture there's that picture on Conservapedia, which under dinosaur was a picture of of Jesus riding a dinosaur. He was riding it. Yeah. Sexually? No, uh, no. like a horse. Oh, like with a uh, um, as 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 a steed. Mm. Yeah, um, I don't think it was as formalised as that. I don't think there was a sort of saddle or kind of bridle or anything like that. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Bareback. That was what he was actually yeah. riding on Palm Sunday, was was a dinosaur. But, yeah, he yeah. Rode, rode, rode a dinosaur mm. into town. Um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's who Ben Stein is. Um, and he used to say that teaching evolution in schools was um, was like a genocide, but he never said anything which sort of backed this up he just said it yeah you've really got to went, elaborate and people went oh okay and, and wrote it down and reported on it but no one as to my knowledge ever said in in what respect you know what's going to be really what funny sense? you know what's going to be really funny is that it's going to turn out that i've completely misremembered this and this is just the actor ben stein who has as far as we know never said anything abnormal and i'm just i'm just absolutely 100% libeling him um so if i'm thinking it was of definitely so was it the other teacher in ferris bueller who no, was no no no, like no 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 it's I, i'm pretty sure it's him a pedophile no 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 i'm oh yeah no no he yeah yeah mr yeah. mr mr deets from mm. uh, from from beetlejuice you know I'm, I'm looking this up and ben stein has made a movie called expelled no intelligence allowed which is described as a propaganda film about creationism yeah yeah so. there we go imagine you were a herald for God and had to spread the word of creationism, but God also gave you such a boring voice that you're only ever cast as an actor in the most boring roles possible. Mm. Surely that would be proof that you weren't a herald of God because God would have gave you a more mm. charismatic reading voice. That is true. Or maybe God's trying to test us. He's like, I don't want to... He's like doing a... He's doing that thing that sometimes really pretentious authors do where they're like, I'm going to write this book under a new name to prove how good of a book it is. And then when the book doesn't sell, they then conveniently leak that it's actually them under a new pen name. Maybe God's kind of doing that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
he's he's giving himself a really shit messenger to prove that the word of God is really good. And then he's like, damn, wow. people don't seem to be. Well, no, I think what I think what happened here is he neglected to update his voice software, so he didn't realize how many new voices have come out in the intervening yeah. millennia. God, um, God's never heard of a scouser. He's been on <laughs> he's been on a tea break. I think God's probably heard of a scouser. Probably no. no. Mm. <laughs> there are no scousers in the Bible. That's what God, we're saying. God's only familiar with the proto-Indo-European accent. He's not which, sa- which, sounds like ben, which sounds like Ben Stein, which people don't realise. Yeah. Yeah, just a guy talking about you know, uh, <laughs> rudimentary bowls, cups and knives. Gilgamesh. Um, yeah, good stuff. Gilgamesh. Orkhan <laughs> Gilgamesh. I tell you what, you ever been to Mesopotamia? Solar than four. You ever been to the cradle of civilization, mate? <laughs> Ah, fuck. I've got Nick's under the cold of Hammurabi. <laughs> there you go. Nick's golden rule, mate. It's golden rule. It's the best rule in the world. <laughs> got Nick's under the rule, under the code of Hammurabi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hammurabi. Yeah. Just having a little mild existential out. Friend of the there. show. Um, Friend of the poet Hammurabi. Yeah. Meanwhile, uh, Jerry's plot, which is probably the most important one, is that um, his, the, the, he buys a new tennis racket on the recommendation of the guy in the pro shop at the tennis club, and then he watches him play tennis. The guy's called Milosh. Turns out he's shit at tennis. And then the guy, uh, he's desperate for Jerry not to tell anyone that he's shit at tennis, so at first he offers up his wife to Jerry <laughs> to sleep with. He does, yeah. Yeah, and then she, she then she can't find him sexy anymore because he's bad at tennis. So uh, then... no, that no, 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 no. That's not why she doesn't find him sexy anymore. She doesn't find him sexy anymore because he tried to give her to a comedian. That's why yeah. she has lost respect for him. I like the but idea she's... that the fact that he was a comedian is sort of rubbing salt in the wound of this kind of indecent proposal type scenario. I think it does. I yeah. mean, in the nicest possible way. No. I get that. It, is, it definitely, definitely is. If you're going to be pimped out, you want it to be to fucking Robert Redford. You don't want it to be to a fucking comedian. Yeah. Kind of struggle in New York. Comedian. <laughs> yeah. With annoying friends. Yeah, yeah. well, he's not, I mean, he's not, he's not, he's not struggling, struggling admittedly, but yeah. But um, uh, I don't think Jerry's storyline is the most important. I think this is like, a, I think this is, even though it's quite, a, it's quite easy to kind of, um, do a kind of beat, beat, beat description of Costanza's storyline. Costanza's storyline is the storyline. Yeah, I don't know. Well, to be too, initially, I felt like the comeback was referring to the to the tennis match. You know, because where he like organizes <laughs> the tennis match against against Jerry and like and gets Jerry to agree to lose so that he seems to win a tennis match. I thought that was the comeback that it was referring to. No. Um, no. Yeah. No. And what? <laughs> no, that's not it. That's not it. I don't think. That's class. Well, I've certainly yeah. never, never heard anyone else think that that was no, the no, case. It's- well, the comeback was the wee boys come going back in his cock when um, when Elaine doesn't have sex. Yeah, the, yeah. The cut. The comeback was him reattaching the VCR button to the VCR. Um, yeah. That's uh, the so the uh, the return of the of the VCR. Uh yeah, so he's yeah. so he's playing he's playing tennis with 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 Milos, um, 
Can um, I just say Milos's performance, the actor who plays Milos, is yeah. just really stunning. He commits to it like nothing else, doesn't he? Mm. Does mm. Milos. Um, mm. The woman who plays his wife uh, is also, she is Bosnian. Yeah. She, is from, she is from Sarajevo. She's, a, she's an attractive lady, I'll say that. She's, a, she's an attractive lady. Mark that on your bingo cards. Um, yeah, so he, um, he agrees to, to be defeated publicly by Milos in order for the woman to regain, his, regain her respect for him. And Milos takes it too far. Milos takes it too far. Uh, and there's a fun line when, Jer- when Jerry says, like, if you do that, can, like, like, you know, just like take it easy because there might be, there might be girls there. Like, I want to look mm. like a man too. Which is which is is funny, I think. Yeah. And so during the course of this, so during the course of this game, Jerry loses patience um, and starts to seriously beat Milosh, who does yeah. some Jerry amazing Seinfeld putting down the pain. Jerry's he got, does, you know, yeah. he's got a blistering serve on him. You, you, I, I feel like this is the element of the story that's oddest to me is the idea that Jerry we're supposed to just accept that Jerry Seinfeld is very good at tennis. Like this just sort of comes out of nowhere. Well, we've seen him play tennis before. We know that he's like at least competent. He's okay. I think he's it's okay. like he's Milos is like supernaturally yeah, it's super terrible. Yeah, yeah, I think that's supposed to be the point. It's not that Jerry's good. Is it that Milos is genuinely terrible? Yeah, watching Milos play tennis was bringing back a lot of memories of me having to play tennis. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never had a good time playing tennis in my life, and. I just think Milos, he just brings a humanity to the role that mm. um stunning. That a lesser actor could not have done, I think. Yeah, yeah. no, I was looking at his, uh, his, his other performances, that guy, and he was in Breaking Bad very briefly, and just a really good theatre actor. I want to see more of him. Apparently he'd done a, an off-Broadway play about the country music of Hank Williams, and oh. I really want to check out that Eastern European actors uh country music musical yeah no 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 i no no i do as well uh and then in the core in the course of this um jerry lets go of his racket or minos let's go someone lets go of a racket right and that clonks kramer in the head who is there who has finally watched the end of the documentary <laughs> And you hear in and you hear the the like the dialogue of the woman waking up from a coma and saying, "I feel so brilliantly refreshed. Someone get me a toothbrush." And so he decides to get rid of his living will, but he needs to find his lawyer, who happens to be at the tennis court, and then he gets clonked on the head and, and ends and ends up in hospital. Meanwhile, we actually miss something quite important, which is that while Costanza is trying to um is trying to get revenge for this zing and for everyone laughing at him. Um, he shows up at another meeting and the, and the guy has, and the guy has moved to a different part of the company. Um, he get, there's some, I, I can only assume that this is like based on some like kind of Seinfeld criticism that was received because he keeps saying, this is why I hate writing in a group. Everything becomes homogenized when the other people, when, when his other friends are trying to, 
are trying to kind of come up with better suggestions than the jerk store called. And he keeps saying, no, the line is jerk store. And they keep making, and they keep making obviously better suggestions. And then, and then he says, I'm not dumbing down my material for some kind of idiotic mass market audience. And I can only assume that this is supposed to be, um, this is supposed Lord to be a kind of this debate. a little bit of a meta commentary uh, on the reception of Seinfeld. But he, but Kramer suggests that he says that he says as the comeback i had sex mm. with your wife yeah and very he find, that he finds mm. out that riley has moved to an office in ohio so he yes, goes now all the firestone tires yeah so he goes all the way to ohio he shows up in this guy's meeting it is completely unclear how costanza has managed to talk his way into this meeting but well, anyway, he comes let's... up with like a, a ridiculous ruse which is he's trying to get firestone tires to do some kind of sponsorship thing with the yankee stadium yeah and it it, it, it doesn't quite make sense but you know but he is but he's uh he's an artist so things don't necessarily always have to hang together it's about the uh it's mm. about the vision of the idea and he shows up with all the shrimp, knowing that um, that your man is gonna uh, is gonna say the same thing to him, and then he hits him mm. with jerk store. But knowing that the ocean will surely call, knowing that the ocean, he's waiting for the call from the ocean. This is the nineties, so if mm. you miss that call, mm. then yeah, then you then you are then you are screwed. Because oh, it was switchboards then, you know. So if you called, you know, you'd have to ring back to the beach and wait to get put through. Hello, this is the ocean. How may I direct your call? Yeah. Do you want do you to speak that, to um, King Triton? Do you think that the uh, the making fun of George? Do you think that is a kind of jab at the departed Larry David? Yeah, his kind of things about like homogenization stuff. Do you think you're going? Oh god, that's like that shit that fucking old freak used to say when he worked here. Yeah, I think I think it's I think Larry it's David supposed to be gone it. by this point. He stopped. Yeah. He's he he writes the occasional episode, but he stopped doing it. He's not doing it full time. Mm. And now it's just oh, no. now it's just and now it's just a room. Um, yeah, and it turns out that this bloke just is better at zingers than Costanza, and and immediately hits back with, "Well, you know, why worry? You're their all time bestseller," mm. <sighs> which is. Pretty yeah. devastating. It's pretty devastating. That's a pretty devastating rhyme. Yeah, put that in your. Have you ever had one of these? <laughs> Have you ever had one of these uh, loose breed discalier uh, moments in your life? Oh, all where the someone time. slagged you, and then you came up with something later. Oh, all the time. Um, all the time. I had one. Not even a comeback, but today I was walking down the street, and uh, a woman had a dog on a leash and the dog mm. was in my way so I went out the way but then the dog went to me and there was a long lead and uh, she went oh so he's, uh, he's, uh, he's he's wandering about the streets like he's drunk and I just went ha 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 but then about five steps later I realised you know I could have said hey it's five o'clock somewhere you know <laughs> that would, uh, that would oh, have been yeah. a funny thing to say about a dog it's today. five o'clock in dog years <laughs> yeah it's five o'clock in dog years somewhere but I didn't say that, and I thought, "Fuck! I wish I could go back yeah. and and say that." But you can't just chase uh, an old woman down in the street and say, "It's, it's five o'clock somewhere." Forget <laughs> you know? what I said. Forget what I said. Forget my original answer. I've got a new, much better Ret- answer. Retract the little <laughs> fake laugh that I did, and I replace <laughs> it with, 
Yeah, I, I find sometimes I'll I'll uh, make a I'll make an a, a, like a funny comment and and it won't be appreciated, which I mm. which I think is worse. Like I had it at the I took my grandmother to a funeral a while ago. My grandmother's like a bit like a bit mildly demented. And this funeral was taking place like the wake at the bowls club. And my grandma used to be the captain of the bowls club. So everyone at the bowls club knows her, but she's probably not hung out there in about five years or so. But it had this very funny effect of just like her seeming like she was above it all because she just genuinely didn't remember who people were. But it seemed like they were like, oh, Peggy, how are you? And she's like, who? Like this sort of... And then this one guy came over whose name was Bob Mole. She's like, I'm sorry, I don't remember. And he's like, it's like, it's me, it's Bob, it's Bob Mole. And then she goes, oh, Bob Mole. And she's like, where have you been? And then I just went, he went underground. And then just no one <laughs> was nothing. And I was like, come on, this is perfect old people gear. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Bob Mole, man, he's underground like a, a mole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> much, much, much like, like an a mole. earthworm or a rabbit. And it's yeah. and it's traditional <laughs> and it's traditional dwelling place below yeah. below the ground. That's, That's like That's so like fucked. a mole, which is like your name, mole. Yeah. That's what you should have done. You should. It's just the way they just all looked at me confused, apart from my sister who just went fuck's sake. But you should have said, "I'm not the one with dementia here." All right. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "Don't look at me confused." It's a very simple joke. You can either find it funny or not, but the the sense of the joke is quite evident. <laughs> not, there's nothing to be confused about, gents. You should have trapped. You should have trapped him and explained why it was funny. <laughs> you see, because your name is Mole. Now, yeah. I don't know if you're familiar with the animal, the blind subterranean beast <laughs> that is the Mole. The heavily clawed rodent. I. Myla, I told you that George was that George has spent the last four years under the impression that that the I am a mole and I live in a hole song was one of my inventions. It's like one you of have, my yeah. one of my little songs. Because I had to confirm to you that my mum also used to sing it to me when I was a child. Yeah, I am a mole and I live in a hole. Bom 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 bom. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And uh, and yeah, not that not that long ago, my. Uh, my, my my boyfriend said something about like oh well is this yeah this is, like, so I was singing a little song and he said oh this is yeah this is like your you know your 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 song about the mole and I said what do you mean my song about the mole and he said you know the, the that song you sing the and I said no I don't I don't know and he said it's got like you make like funny noises and you know bomb 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 and I, and and I was like do you, sorry do you think that I that I am the the writer of I am a mole and I live in a hole. And he said, "You wish yeah. the royalties on that." Well, exactly. And he said, "Yeah, yeah, it sounds exactly like one of your little songs." And I mean, he's got you banged to rights there. It really does. <laughs> it, it, it really, really does. But yeah, but the fact that he'd that he'd formed this impression and had just never bothered to to correct it—that's the power of love, isn't it? You know. <laughs> You see people, you put them on a pedestal. You think yeah. they're capable. Of anything. Think, think, yeah. That may, may, maybe that's what. Maybe I should have taken this as the as a the kind of really, of love. really gigantic mm. compliment that uh, that he thought that I could possibly have the creativity and the intellect to come up with. I'm a mole and I live in a hole. Boom, 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 boom. That actually fills my heart with um, <laughs> just like all of the power of love. Yeah. Well, the power of love. I I did write that one. 
Yeah. That that is yeah, mine. Yeah yeah. 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 The Huey Lewis and the News version. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, I wrote yeah. that for them. Not the not the it's Jennifer. To be a more. Yeah. Um. <laughs> Right. Is there anything else we need to cover from the oh, Seinfeld? Oh yeah, which, which is that? Which is that? He is that after being thoroughly, um, thoroughly rinsed by um, by Riley yet again. Um, he tries. He tries to go with Kramer's suggestion and says, "Yeah, well, I had sex with your wife." Turns out, of course, that his wife is in a coma, and then it shows him in the car having another mm. episode of Esprit Scalier and turning the car around because. And but you mm. never find out what he should have said to that. Um, yeah. Which I think is, which I think is good. I think it's a good thing that you don't find what, out. Would you think it was the coma store called and they're running out your wife? <laughs> yeah. Um. Ah, oh, what would be the comeback to that? Your wife's in a coma. Always getting the dosage wrong, aren't you, mate? <laughs> bit, a bit bleak that one. <laughs> Do you, would you be turned? Would you want your machine turned off if you were in a veg, vegetative state? <laughs> Yeah, that you're right. That's the comeback. That's the comeback to someone saying. <laughs> yeah. Someone saying, "I was go- what yeah. I was going to say has has either of either of you ever yeah. ever had you can a eat me ha- now? It's vegan. Ever had an own that is just like so devastating that you've sort of thought about it? Because, like, honestly, I don't, I don't think I have. No one has ever really made me mm. think. Oh God, that's really got under my skin. That. No one's ever quite, come close. I'm quite, I'm quite hard to rattle, but I'm also quite hard to pin down as a character. So, like, even if someone really tries to say something hurtful, they sort of quite often like don't get it quite right. They don't really hit the nail on the head. Because there's plenty well, you could yeah, say. You're quite, you're slippery. Oh yeah, Phoebe, you with your little medieval king song. Yeah, and your enthusiasm for palace cats. <laughs> yeah. I do, like, I, I do like. I do like palace cats. Right. Do well, like palace that has cats. been. <laughs> oh, oh, I know this woman. Um, there was a guy who said that I looked like a frog um, about six mm. years ago, and it hurt my feelings so much that I decided to engineer him being blackballed from the Scottish comedy circuit. <laughs> Wow, that felt oh, very wow. confessional. That's what an inc- what an incredible, <laughs> yeah. incredibly vengeful thing to do. I respect that. I respect that. I'm really, really full of rage, and I don't yeah. like being. I don't like being made fun of. <laughs> what, what lengths did you have to go to to get this man blackballed from the Scottish comedy circuit? I just waited there. I just waited for COVID. And then when all the kind of online stuff was being um, kind of, you know, offered as an option, mm. I kind of amplified his voice as a detractor of the, the online content that was being made. And then everybody oh. noticed that he was an asshole. Oh, that's ah, clever. You just sort yeah, of, uh, you sort of, like judo, you used his own momentum against him. Yeah. yeah. You, gave, you, gave, you gave him enough rope. And there you are. The Judas Judo. Yeah. Yeah. It's also... I trade that cunt. It's also very funny because the online stuff, it was quite shit. Yeah, it was terrible. It was all yeah. terrible. He was right. That was the thing. Many <laughs> <laughs> um, was he right about have... me looking like a frog, but listen, yeah, it's, it's, life's not about being right, is it? It's about being kind. Yeah. Life isn't about being right. It's about being liked. 
are the popular kids on the Scottish comedy circuit. Well, that's how I've lived my life. Yeah, no, and I think it makes sense. Look, this has been an episode of Seinfeld. It is. It remains only for us to thank Chris very much for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. It's, it's been a pleasure. Um, I hope it's living up to your ad- admittedly quite high expectations. <laughs> it's exceeded them, if anything. <laughs> I really wanted to tell you about the, the, the Seinfeld tour in New York that I oh. didn't go on because I looked it up and it was so shite. It was like, because it was filmed in L.A., Oh, so yeah, none of the of course, locations yeah. are in New York, so you can't go visit them. So it's like some of the episodes were on the subway. Here's the subway station. <laughs> some Fantastic. of the episodes were at the park. Here's Central Park. It's like I was going to visit Central Park anyway. You fucking dunce. Yeah, that's yeah. That is that does sound like a bad tour. So yeah, it's, it's a true. it's a non recommend from Chris for the <laughs> Seinfeld tour in, in New York. Um, Chris, is there anything you would actually like to recommend to our to our loyal hogs? Do you have anything to plug? I've got a podcast about music called Enjoy an Album with the Dagenham comedian Liam Withnail. Dagenham comedian is so hyper-specific. Yeah. (laughs) He's from near Romford, uh, and he's a great guy, and we we talk about uh, music with a similar kind of tone to this, where it's Mm. like 20% actual information, and then uh, 79%... just talking shit yeah. and other stuff. The so man from the greater like, Ilford like... locus. So I li- I listened to the episode that you just did with um with Ben Pope with uh, oh, a yeah, friend, Benny, Benny Pope, Pope, friend of the show lovely. Ben Pope. Um and I um and I the show him... the young Pope. <laughs> That's right. And I I sent him several abusive messages for what I felt was uh, insufficient respect for Robbie Williams's swing when you're winning. I was yeah. not. I mm. was not happy. I was not happy one little bit, um, and sent him what can only be described as a as an abusive as well as 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 as, as a poisoned pen letter. I think. Did you feel like I was sufficiently respectful? You were sufficiently respectful. Ben wasn't. Yeah. Thanks, Phoebe. An yes. album from Robbie Williams's wife swapping era. <laughs> you look. His his cover his cover of Mr. Bojangles is actually very moving. I could do without him. Call me Mr. Bojangles. I, c- I could do without him. My money. What's that? You doing blackface, Robbie? Yeah, he Robbie, yeah, you doing blackface? There is a regrettable bit where he does the Mr. Bojangles voice, but when he's doing his own voice, it's very yes. moving, I think. Yeah, I mean, there's only three bits to it, so if one of the bits is regret, well, listen, I think it's a good song. It's a good also, song. Yeah. I agree with you. I agree with you. I'm not going to come on your podcast and tell you that you're wrong about Mr. Bojangles. Thank no. You. Thank you. No. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So um, it's also a recommend for Robbie Williams's cover of Mr. Bojangles. If you're looking to check that out, um, you can. And you can decide whether or not it's regrettable. Please don't <laughs> please don't write in and tell us your conclusions. You do can not, keep them to yourself. Do, yeah, keep those um, to yourself. And if you're listening to this, hey, it's a. am pretty sure it's a free one. So we have a Patreon. <laughs> I think this is a free one, you know. You oh can subscribe to it where there's more stuff like this. There are regrettable elements. Tune in, decide which ones they are. You've got the bonus episodes on the $3 tier, the Discord and the Movie Corner on the $5 tier. You've got the, the What's the Deal miniseries on the $10 tier. This month we're also going to have a mailbag episode. Um, so check all of that shit out. And we will see you all very soon. <laughs>